The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome to another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network on this Monday, Thursday. And we are almost there. The Resurrection Day weekend is upon us. And I know churches everywhere are getting ready for this big weekend. We're glad to have you along with us on this day. I have with me on the line today for the second time, Terrence Chapman. Terrence, uh, he has a big background in business. He had leadership roles in several Fortune 500 companies, including names you would know like Johnson & Johnson, Citibank, and Coca-Cola. Uh, he's with the John Maxwell Leadership Foundation, and he is president, this is what he does now, of Victorious Family. Now, I love that name. Welcome back, Terrence. Hey, it's good to be back, Mike. You know, I'm thinking that's quite a, an introduction of uh, items that you've been involved with over the years. You've been a busy guy. Well, you know, thank God my mother sent in the bio. Uh, <laughs> that sounds good, you know. Uh, Yes, it really is as short as, you know, coming in uh, uh, into the corporate space. I uh, had the good good fortune to join Johnson & Johnson in the early years. And then recruited by uh, uh, recruiters to, uh, to lead Citibank in Florida. And that same recruiter recruited me <laughs> to come to uh, Coca-Cola. But there are some interesting incidents that's, that's involving each one that's kind of exciting. Uh, but now the Lord has called me into really using those same skill sets, uh, just in a different environment for the family and for business leaders who have families as well. Now, I, uh, are you still involved in any way with Coca-Cola? Well, you know, we have a, a, some some interesting connections there. From a corporate standpoint, no, but uh, we're working with several executive leaders uh, in various organizations, including Coca-Cola, helping them with uh, their families and helping their families to flourish. Well, families need help everywhere. I mean, this has been, when you look at all of the things going on in this nation in the last couple of weeks and its impact on families and even the uh, accusations that many in the progressive left are making that families don't really need to be involved at all with their kids. Uh, this is a strange day and it's getting any more that if you're a family person, if you're a person who's involved in a ministry for families, it's uh, like more and more you're being looked at by culture as the odd man out, aren't you? Well, we're certainly seeing a change. Um, you know, and you think about it, there arose another generation uh, after Joshua passed away that really began to, um, you know, walk away and worship other gods and not be a part of that. And that's Judges 2.10 tells us that. But one thing we, we know and we see is that future generations of our youth and young families, they'll be living in a whole different world, very different from the one probably which we are accustomed to. And so I think it's just essential right now that we prepare ourselves, our family, and our children for that new world. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at some startling facts. Uh, let's look at them. We see 93% decline in biblical worldview over the past three decades. We see 50% of Christians walking away from the church, not attending the church today. 20% are calling themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S. We see 75% of our young men and women who graduate from high school walking away from the church. And so we see this destruction, not only of that, when you lose those biblical principles and foundation, we also see the culture challenging the family and the structure of the family and the purpose, the meaning, the identity of family. Uh, and that's been a battlefield for quite some time now. So I see um, uh, a family culture and uh, that's at risk. I'll call it at risk. And if we don't think about what's happening in the moral and spiritual decay of the family, uh, then our society will continue to be impacted and we'll see uh, conditions and, and things happening within our society we've never seen before. You're speaking about things that I think are very accurate in terms of how long this transition has been going on, where Americans are now waking up and finding it, it does feel like a whole new world. Uh, for me, it feels at times like this happened overnight. 
But the truth is, like you said, that slide has been going down more and more uh, over the past number of decades, right? That's correct. And, you know, for decades, although parents have had good intentions, I'm an optimist, I'm going to put it that way. We have good intentions as parents. We want to do the right thing. Uh, But sometimes, you know, we abdicate those responsibilities and roles of parenting to various camps, right? Some of us will abdicate that to the church, some Christian camps, some Christian schools, some schools or education or some other source. But the fact of the matter is uh, family discipleship and and strengthening that must start in the home. Mm -hmm. It has to be supported by those other institutions. But if we're going to see the transformation, the tide turn, as it relates to family, number one, dads must be uh, must get much more uh, involved and, and active in the family as the spiritual leader of the home. Secondly, uh, we're going to have to be intentional. Uh, today, less than one percent of Christian parents have a written spiritual plan for the spiritual development and growth of their of family. Wow. And so, yeah. when you see issues like less than ten percent of families uh, praying together, less than five percent of parents reading the Bible with children together. Uh, when you see the very foundations of our disciplines break down, well, then you lose purpose, meaning, and identity. And then what happens? Outside sources begin to shape the very fabric of our families. And our meaning is gone, our purpose and our identity is being shaken right now. Right. And we have to get back to the basics and do, do something about it. Now, you talked about this written plan, a written spiritual formation plan. Tell us what you envision and that every dad, let's say, that's listening right now, maybe every grandfather could be an encourager for his son. What uh, kind of first steps would you see in making such a plan? Well, the first thing I will say is that victorious families are not accidental. Uh, They are intentional. And so we know that if there's consistency in the family, uh, instead of that 75% walking away from the church after high school, 90% remain in, uh, in, the, in the faith in some way. It's a, it's a significant shift. So here's some of the things, for example, think about if you were starting a business, you'll never think to start a business without a business plan. You would never think to start a ministry without a ministry plan. In fact, you wouldn't even think to go on vacation without a vacation plan. But yet every day we wake up without a plan to raise our kids uh, in the training well and instruction yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at it this way. Well, what are you having a business plan? Well, you have a vision statement. What's the destination? What's on the horizon? Where are we going? We don't, we're not trying to make disciples when children are five years old. We're trying to make disciples when they're 21. We want that to carry on for generations and generations to come. Uh, so we start with a vision. Do you have a, a vision statement? for your family? Have you defined where you're taking them? What does this parenting look like uh, in the years to come? Then we look at, well, if you have a vision statement, you have a mission statement to achieve it. Uh, you know, so we call that a mission statement. How are we going to get there? We're going to take the bus, the train, <laughs> the other car. Uh, we need to define how we're going to get there. And that's where things like the church comes in or Bible study or devotionals or what have you, Sunday school. What is the, what is the mission? How do we get there? What's the strategy? And then we look at well, what, do you have any values? What's your family values? Because the vision and mission links up. These are the non-negotiables that our family should understand that we truly value. And they don't all have to be these Christianese. These are true things that we value. Let me give you an example in a story. My grandfather, uh, who had to leave uh, his education in second grade because his father passed away, and then he had to go to the farm and work the farm. But, you know, education was so important to my grandfather. Uh, he decided that he was going to continue his education and receive his high school diploma. He could have taken the GED or whatever, but he didn't do that. You know what he did? He went in and he sat in some accelerated program. I'm still trying to understand. And he sat in the classrooms and took the exams in the third grade, the fourth grade, the fifth grade, all the way to high school. And he walked across that stage at 50 some years old. graduating from high school, one of the proudest moments in his life. And he says, Papa, why did you do that? That's crazy, right? You're already, you know, the high levels in order. He says, listen, it's not for me. What I wanted to model was how important education is. That's something no one can ever take from you. And, And education is a value in our family as a result of, of, of our grandfather. 
And since then, I look at the people in our family who have graduated. In fact, some are superintendents of schools. Why? Because my grandfather valued education. Therefore, my kids value it. So it goes on and on, right, in a cycle. But there's much more to talk about in this planning process. But that's the start. Well, I know that and uh, as in all plans, business plans, otherwise, uh, there has to be some modifications along the way. And so with that, there has to be communication between mom and dad on this. And that in itself is a challenge in this day and age with so many families. And I think we talked about this the first time you were on the impact of social media, the impact of cell phones, smartphones. It really has taken a toll on family communication, hasn't it? Well, it really has. You know, here's a, here's some interesting age and stage, which we also get into the planning process. Uh, look, take a look at this. When when our kids are in kindergarten and first grade, they're thinking about, do I have your attention, <laughs> right? And so are we capturing the hearts of our children during that time? Then they move to second and third grades, and kids are asking the question, do I have what it takes? It's very important we affirm them the and and confirm them during that time and give them the confidence and self-esteem. If we miss those phases, we're in trouble. Then the fourth and fifth grade, they're asking, do I have friends? And that's why they're connecting with social media. They're trying to be connected and loved. And and you and I know those aren't real friends. Those are just fake friends. But for them, they're real. Do I have friends? And they're asking that question. And the isolation of the last couple of years is about help. But then get this, when they begin in high school, they don't ask any questions at all. And so yeah, right. we, we go from this high you know, level of attraction to, to attention to, hey, we, we're trying to be independent, right? We're trying to be separate. And so we must be intentional. I love what R.C. Sproul said years ago. He says, no one can be victorious in the battle without being in the battle. Mm-hmm. In your family, spiritual battle, life battle, what are we defending right now? What are we connecting to right now? Are we going to let the social media, the TikTok, the this talk, I mean, that talk, raise our children, or are we going to be the primary disciples of our kids? You know, I hear from a lot of families that they have either limited severely or maybe in some cases completely withdrew from all forms of social media, in some cases even all forms of uh, television. And that doesn't sound like such a bad idea. When you look at the fruit of what's happening in our culture right now, I know that that's not a popular thing. And there's a lot of people that would say, what, what are you talking about? Why are you even suggesting that? But it's just seems to me that people who are not as bound up by all of the habits of these communication tools that they've been given by this culture, they seem to be happier when they're not tethered to all of these things. Is that your experience? Well, you know, I have nine grandchildren, so I, I've watched the dynamics of these young kids uh, versus my kids growing up, right? And, and, and there's different takes on this. And I would just simply say this. Uh, we have to monitor for sure yeah. uh, the time that our children are spending. There's some, look, it's a good, good tool, and at the same time, it's a bad tool, right? It's just like any strength that we have. If we use it for good, it can be good. If we use it for bad, it can be bad. But here's what I will say. There's signs of a healthy family who's on a journey to building a kingdom like legacy home. One, they have the right mindset. Uh, two, they have the right tools for their family. What tools are you going to use to bring your children up in the Lord? Third, they model the behavior. What are parents modeling? Because listen, we're raising these children, uh, right? We're providing the tools, the IE, the phone, the pad, the pad, the tablets, et cetera. We're the one doing that. They're not going out buying right. it unless they're older. Uh, and two, uh, prayer is the lifeblood of these families. Are they praying together? Uh, do they have unity in the spirit together? Are they taking the time? And, see, we all talk about we're too busy. That's not really the issue. We have misprioritized. That's right. We have to begin to prioritize our time. And if our priority is, hey, let me put a tablet in front of a child so I can have some free time and some peace time, which these parents need, they have so much on their plate. And and that's a way to kind of appease them. Let's just give them the tablet. Let's give them the phone. Let them do their thing. No, let's take some time and let's plan this out. Let's reprioritize 
our, our, you know, our structure and what we're doing, and we'll find that we'll see healthy growth. I agree, and it uh, sometimes may seem simplistic to think that such a change in a family could be as simple as a mom and dad spending time in prayer and asking God for such a family plan, and then to incorporate that plan. I think in this culture, what I've seen, a lot of dads just think that their only role is to be the breadwinner, and they they jump off to work. At times, that can be uh, kind of almost like a convenient thing to to not be engaged, not be involved, and they leave it. But parents have got to wake up in this day and age and realize that if they're not training their kids, if they're not casting vision for their kids, those kids are getting that vision cast from some other source, and it's not going to be good in most cases. Is that right? Well, our challenge exactly right. Our challenge is, is that although parents, as I said, want to do the right thing, 83% of them feel uh, totally inadequate to do so. Uh, and so they want to do it. They just don't know how to do it sometime. Maybe they, they haven't focused or maybe they, they've, like I said, abdicated to someone else. And, and so therefore, as we deal with these mental, physical, and emotional issues of the day, uh, we just feel overwhelmed sometimes because we, we just simply have not tuned in to our power source. And so I just believe that uh, we've got to find a way to really be intentional as church leaders. I'm a church leader. Uh, I value the church. The church, you know, I'm not the one to say the church is falling short. The church uh, has a role, uh, and but the parents have a role. You know, it takes me back. My mom was, you know, she taught in the school systems, and we realized something early on as, as I was bringing up my children as well. If we didn't get involved in the education of our children, whether it's, you know, parent advisory uh, uh, discussions or PT, whatever it was, if we didn't get involved, our children would not have realized the education they received. Mm -hmm. We just can't ship them off to the school and say, hey, they'll be fine. Uh, they return home. We don't check in. We don't check their homework. We don't walk with them. We don't have conversations with them. Uh, what we do is just check it at the door. There's no longer can we do that because there's resources out here that's available to our children, and they know how to access them, by the way. Uh, that we just can't leave parenting void anymore. That's right. That's right. You know, there's a, a, an old saying I heard years ago, Terrence, that said, if everyone is in charge, no one is in charge. And if, par mm, if, like if parents leave the charge of their, their kids to everyone that's out there on that uh, metaverse, they're going to wake up one day and realize what a loss that is. And I know that that sadly is happening to a lot of parents. So the, the right step is to get involved right now. And we pray that this conversation for maybe many who are hearing is a wake-up call to do just that. My guest today is Terrence Chapman. We'll have one more segment with him coming up in a moment. Terrence leads Victorious Family, and we'll be back with Terrence in just a moment. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. On the line with me right now is Terrence Chapman. Terrence is involved with Victorious Families, and he is one who has a heart to help and disciple and train people through his teaching, through his involvement, through his organization, uh, all the things that families need to make it. And, you know, it's always been hard for families. It's never been an easy task. Uh, Terrence, I've always felt this, that of all the job descriptions I've ever had, the one that I felt was the most important and the one that I drew as God graced me the most delight from was that of being a dad. 
And I, I tell you, when I look back and, and think about the privileges that I've had to raise four kids and the responsibility that's there, I'm glad that I trusted the Lord and that I didn't have my eyes only on just that level of responsibility because without God's grace, it's a tough job. It's a tough job for anybody, but we must do it. It is not there uh, just for the option of picking it up if you want to do it or not doing it if you don't want to do it. It is every parent's responsibility to train their kids, right? You know, we believe so. In fact, Ephesians 6, 4 tells us so. It says, fathers really speaking to parents, don't exasperate your children, but to do what? To bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So you mentioned it uh, earlier. You said that it is a great challenge. Let's let's just be real with that. But it's a great privilege and honor to bring up these young young bucks that who the Lord has given us. The Lord has created these uh, these young men and women uh, who will soon be, and he's given us the privilege. Just think about that. He's given us the privilege and the responsibility to nurture and care uh, these young uh, uh, creations, if you will, uh, from the creator. How awesome is that? It's just amazing that we have that, that God gave us that responsibility. And, you know, I, I have this image right now as I'm hearing you talk of the benefit that happens when one is exercising. There's this thing called endorphins that are released that might be kind of even unexpected when they first hit the person who's doing the exercising, because moments before they were thinking about the pain and how winded they were. And all of a sudden there's this euphoric feeling of health and joy that can flood over. And that makes that thing switch on a, a just almost on a point to something that is enjoyable, and they think, "Hey, I'm going to do this again. This is fun." Well, I believe that same thing happens when parents get a vision. When they, instead of looking at that re- level of responsibility, instead of looking at the burden that being a parent is, suddenly they realize what you just described as an awesome privilege given to them by God to be that dad, to be that mom. It's like an endorphin changes it all in a moment. It really is. And, you know, it's nothing like capturing the hearts uh, of these young children. And when you capture the hearts, it's, there's, you remember those early stages I talked about in the early years of looking for attention, right? They're looking uh, to connect. And so we get a chance to capture those hearts at a very early age. The question is, what are we connected them to? And more importantly, who yeah. are we connecting them to? That's right? right. That's right. And so we need to speak encouragement in those years uh, to to really uh, connect with that child in the early years and speaking uh, to them in a way that they can that we can connect with them. You know, in those in those second and third grade years, they're looking. They might say, "What what does it take?" And so, as we capture the heart, we need to encourage their efforts, right? Because every kid want to feel like they're good at something, right? And, yeah. and it can be any area; it doesn't matter. But they want to feel they're good at something because it's a natural, uh, it's natural within us to be motivated to be motivated by affirmation, right? right. And so we need to connect with them as parents uh, in terms of interests and things that can connect with them, things to show them that they matter, that you care. And then in those fourth and fifth grade phases, I talked about that you know they want friends and. And, and think about that. We capture the heart when we help them to have a clear answer to the question. Well, what is a friend? What does that look like? What is that mutual relationship? What should it be? And we can make an effort to get to know their friends as well and keep boundaries as healthy. But at the same time, we got to encourage friendships and healthy friendships and healthy habits right. for our students. And then finally, I tell you, the most challenging piece is, is this, uh, this high school. Uh, level where 40% of high school seniors say they often feel lonely or left out. Mm. And loneliness has the same negative impact on our life as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Think about that. Wow. Uh, you know, if we distance ourselves with hours of distraction per day and don't really connect with our, with our young uh, men and women, it leads to unhappiness. It leads to dis- despair and distress. And and so we have to begin to connect uh, mentally, physically, through the heart, any way we can. We've got to play 
a role in the growth of our children. That's beautiful. You know, uh, uh, this whole thing of of seeing that, and we talked about in segment one, a plan for that, writing down a family plan for spiritual growth, for family devotions, for how we interact, how we relate to our kids. It starts with that. When we have a plan, you, you know, it's a, again, another old saying is if, if we don't know where we're going, we're not going to know when we get there. And I, I think we've got to know where we're going and parents have that responsibility and that awesome privilege to help their kid know they're on the way. One thing that can happen is the parent can help by creating like vision and, and excitement about about God through some family events. I'm not sure a lot of uh, parents in this day and age really think through even things like vacations or missions trips. Now, that's something that I, I can look back in one of my kids especially her life was changed through a trip, a missions trip that she went on, and we saw a huge difference in her, uh, let's say, her attitude and her vision for God. It was really uh, it just brought along at a very much faster clip because of her involvement in that. So parents can help plan for things like that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, think about that individual who, who, whose life was changed that you just spoke of. Now think about going as a family, if age appropriate, right? Uh, and we don't have to go to, you know, Africa or Israel somewhere. We, just, we can go and do community work in our own backyard, in our schools, et cetera, in our churches. And so, but think about families doing mission together. What we're teaching is, is a, I call it anothering. It's bigger than you. It's not self-absorption. It's other absorption. So right. if we begin to invest and serve, in other people's lives, we often talk about in the business world as servant leadership. Uh, you know, when you think about a servant, and 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 we go a lot of times. If you've ever, you know, I'm sure you've been on mission trips as I have. Oh yeah. I think I think I'm going to serve. That's right. But I'm the one that ended up getting served. Right? That's exactly right. Oh, yeah. it's so true. Yeah, I went we, to I went to uh, some of these countries that are basically communist countries thinking that I'm going to be able to bring them something. And I got there and I felt like they were more joyful than I was. Absolutely. You know, and I think about this idea of vision and, and mission and things of that nature. Think about vision. When, when do we think, you know, when I think about why I think God gave Isaiah in chapter six, this vision, he gave his reluctant prophet a vision of himself high and exalted, seated on a throne, with a train of his robe filled a temple. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if we're giving that type of powerful vision to our children, where we see God as sovereign, where we see God's love, where we see his grace and his mercy. And I mean, they begin to define the real God versus the fake God that they hear often uh, in social media and television and so forth. This God is sovereign, powerful, awesome, right. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. His love is about His grace. I mean, once they come to understand that vision, oh, their world changes. Their biblical worldview, their worldview changes. Yeah, and we begin to see a different uh, person versus the one that's being displayed in our society today. In your work with Victorious Family, I know there are times that you must come up with parents who maybe haven't uh, sown such a vision in their kids yet, and they fear it's too late. What do you tell people who say, man, I think I've blown it. It's too late. Oh, I love this quote. It says, you know, uh, we can't go back and change the beginning, but what we can do is have an impact uh, at the end. And so I would say it starts with you. Uh, the Lord makes up for those locust years, if you feel there's locust years. In fact, one of the, the greatest comments that we hear often as we have gone around the world and talked to over 100,000 parents in, in uh, 36,000 churches is, I wish I would have started this sooner. I wish I would have done this earlier in my, with my family. It's never too late to start. Uh, whether you're a 76-year-old grandmother or grandfather, it starts and, and uh, he takes the time as long as we have it here on the surf and he optimizes it. Uh, and so I would just say it's never too late to start. Uh, and don't worry about the beginnings. Uh, he'll use those years and he'll make up those years, those locust years 
and it'll be something amazing. Oh, I believe it, and I appreciate that. I think it's so important that we not lose faith, not lose heart, and not lose hope, because it is uh, something that we can see take root in our kids, even if they're older. And thank God, I mean, you look at Paul. Paul wasn't a child when uh, he was knocked off that horse. He was an adult, and look what happened in his life. Isn't it true? Don't you think a lot of us, we we can so easily in this culture, there are so many distractions for a parent that they can take their eyes off of the greatness of God when it comes to their kids at that stage. That, that's something that they all face, right? That's exactly it. And that's why vision is so important because it guides the way for everything. Uh, and, and so when we think about, hey, if we keep our eye on the target, we keep our eye focused. I used to always say in business, if I could, if I understand and help our people understand purpose, right, focus and execution. Wow. I can drive the optimization of that business. Well, the same thing here applies. If I can keep our kids or at least help them to understand what our purpose is as a family, keep them over and to be focused on that. Uh, by prioritizing and doing those things that connect and then execution modeling, whether, and I say that in the sense of disciplines, prayer, reading God's word, devotion, yeah. worshiping, things like that. Let's, let's be intentional in, uh, in looking at it. And listen to this. When I think about this, God doesn't want our best for our family as much as that's, you know, as much great we think that sounds. What God wants is his best for our family. And that is a big difference in his best and my best. Oh, that's well and said. So, yeah. Okay. As so high I'm as the heavens best, are above buddy, the not earth. my best. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Now, here's a great uh, week for us right now to get involved. Terrence, uh, for parents who are listening right now and they're thinking, uh, boy, I like this. This sounds right. God help me do it. And now here we are right before Easter weekend and Resurrection Day is coming up on Sunday. What a great time if they've not taken the time yet with their kids to walk them through the implications of this week. What advice would you give parents to, to help them do that? Well, I'll start with a story. I just It takes me back a couple of years and I think about my grandson. He's dressed up in his little, you know, bow tie. He's got his little vest on. His shoes are shining, and we're all betting how long the bow tie is going to stay on. But that's a different story. And I think about him as we go to Easter service. And, and then I just remember on Monday, I go back to the office, and I look, open the paper, and I look at a policy that had just uh, passed around different uh, parenting and family issues, uh, gender issues. Yeah. And I asked myself, uh, is what my grandson heard uh, 24 hours ago, how do we make it stick? And how important it is uh, that, that he understands the story, the most important story that we can hear, the story of Christ, his, his life, his, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the fact that it doesn't end there. Uh, he has been resurrected, and he sits at the right hand of the Father who's interceding on my behalf, on my grandson's behalf, on my son's and daughter's behalf. You see, we don't have this, this weak, you know, uh, dead God. We have a live, powerful, almighty God who's sitting at the right hand of the Father That's and right. on, on interceding on our behalf. If we understood that power, if we understood that King of King and Lord of Lords, you know, this weekend, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is not about uh, a dead uh, person. This is about a risen Christ. That's right. And in that risen Christ is hope. It's assurance of hope. So if you don't know him or your children don't know him, in fact, my book is, is titled, Do Your Children Believe? You see, ultimately, as a parent, I want great things for my children. And I know I do not have the power of resurrection. That is his power. He provides the increase. But you know what I can do? I can plant. 
Yes. I could even maybe take them to somewhere to get water, but he provided the increase and he is faithful and true. I know that. And so the question is, do your children believe? What would be the greatest work on this side of earth as a parent? And what is the greatest accomplishment that you can see? And that is to see the Lord moving in your children's life. Yes. That they may have a personal relationship with him. And not only that, but they will fall madly in love with this Christ Jesus. And they would be prepared and equipped in that faith and also able to tell others about that amazing gift that they receive because it's not earned. It is something that's by grace and grace alone. Uh, that we come to know who he is and what he's done. So let's take this moment. Let's take this. I believe, I believe that every week is an Easter week, but let's take this moment to maybe introduce a child who don't know him to know who he is mm -hmm. and let him through the power of the Holy Spirit provide the increase. Oh, that is so good. That That is one well said couple of minutes worth of encouragement right there. Friends, I hope you heard that. And this is so important. I think a great first step is just to cry out to God for all parents who are hearing this, feeling that they've uh, missed this mark so far, then repent, cry out to God for help and mercy. And our God is a good God. He gives us those second chances and those third chances and fourth chances with our kids. And he'll work with us if we come to him, humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from things that we shouldn't be doing. Then we hear from heaven. Terrence, you mentioned your book. Tell us about that real quick and how people can get a hold of that. Yeah, Do Your Children Believe uh, by Terrence Chapman. It's at all the stores, Amazon, etc. Uh, you can also find more information at doyourchildrenbelieve.com, doyourchildrenbelieve.com. Now, that's and, uh, yeah. and you spell your name C-H-A-T-M-O-N. That's correct. With, and Terrence with one R. Terrence with one R, T-E-R-E-N-C-E. -E. So, that's correct. All right. So people, look at him up. Check this out. Get that book. And let's begin to believe for changes in our families. And that's a, a wonderful prayer right there in and of itself. Terrence, thanks for being with me and happy Easter to you. Oh, same to you. It's such a pleasure. All right. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me right now, someone from our own area, just up the road as it is. Wayne White is my guest. Wayne was with me last December, and he is an author and uh, has a real strong love for this great nation of ours. The question he's asking today, is the decline that we see in America, is it a perception or is it reality? I, I tell you, man, when I hear that, I'm inclined to think that, no, we're declining all right, that we, we're going down, and I'm grateful that God is always the same. I think of Hebrews, and he said he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever, and I'm grateful for that. But our nation and what we're doing is wrong. So with all that as an introduction, Wayne White, welcome back to my program. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. You're and I, I agree with you. We're kind of downhill. But, you know, as you know, a couple of, what was it, two or three weeks ago, you had that nice revival in Kentucky, I believe. Asbury. Lasted, what? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what we need is a, is a revision of, uh, you know, the preaching and everything else. You know, I've told people that weren't believers, I said, even if you don't believe in God, you won't find a better motivational life giving book than the Bible as far as a way to live your life, uh, even if you don't believe in God. And they that's that's true. I mean, uh, everything that was said 2,000 years ago, if somebody just lives their life by what's in that book, it will be better. But, uh, you know, we've got to get back to that. 
and and obviously the people that are destroying the country are are doing it by destroying that belief they they want the state to be the religion yeah and they they don't yeah. want you worshiping anything but the state yeah many people are calling this whole woke state this whole wokeness it's more than just a, a philosophy it's actually a a religion that is being worshiped and is is really it's like being bowed down to by so many in our culture and it's a very disastrous and I'm praying. I know a lot of people are praying. We've got to just continue to knock on the door of heaven and we've got to just call out. And I think that's what you're doing. Tell us for those that may not have joined us on the, that day in December, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to be so interested in history and uh, the stuff that's going on in the pol politics around us? How did that happen? Well, actually, believe it or not, I read the Communist Manifesto when I was 13 years old. And I went to school in Arizona for a while. Uh, and they had the John Birch Society out there, which was very anti-communist. And of course, anything that is anti-communist uh, is attacked. And, and they have a very good organization. And unfortunately, my next book is about who financed the decline. And that's going to be very interesting. Um, but I have always been and, and preached against uh, communism. And I told my wife the other night, I said, when I go to my grave, at least I can say that I tried to warn people. And I've been doing that. Um, I gave a speech uh, to a large uh, Tea Party group. And, and the speech, and it's one I've made a lot of, uh, is on whoever controls the input controls the outcome. And right now, the communists are totally in control of the input in this country from our schools to the entertainment to uh, news. Uh, and, and that's the problem. There is a very little bit of truth that's being told. So a lot of the activists don't know what they don't know. In that's other right. words, yeah. they're acting on misinformation. You know, that uh, thing that they are doing, this uh, leaning into communism, into Marxism. There was a day when I was a young man that that was going on, but going on more in the shadows in this day and age, they're just coming out and just flat out saying, Hey, we're, we're for socialism. We're for it. And I, it's like, they've lost the shame of darkness on that. They're just out in the light proclaiming that it's no longer, I wonder if that's the, what's the root. It is the root and they're happily telling everybody about it. Well, one of the problems is uh, we're kind of like the person that went to the doctor and found out he had cancer, and he doesn't even want to use that word, let alone get treatment for it. And that's the situation, just like you said, socialism and Marxism. They want you to use those words and woke. But the truth is, if, if we would call them what they are and, and, and uh, make no bones about it, this is one big, well-oiled machine with little individual groups. It's almost like a religion. Every religion in the world that I know of, I don't care whether you're a Muslim or a Baptist or a Catholic, have two things in common, and that is a deity and an afterlife. But they all have different names, but they're all part of an organization that believes in God. Well, mm -hmm. communism is the same way. It's a big machine, and they, they share money, they share ideas, but it may be called Planned Parenthood. It may be called Antifa. It may be called Black Lives Matter or the Southern Law Conference. There are thousands of them, and when we start calling them what they are, communist, then they hate that word because you can relate to communism. Nobody can relate really to woke. They think, oh, that's something going on in the country, and it's kind of silly if you're against it. Uh, if you say Marxism, there's not a Marxist country in the world. I mean, they're all communists. They don't call themselves Marxists, so you can't relate. But when you say this person is a communist, you go, well, I don't want to be a communist. I mean, I see China. I see Russia. I see Cuba. Uh, we don't want to be communists. Right. And that's why they don't want you using that word. When we start using that word, we will have a chance but nobody wants to use it because you get called, oh, you're a McCarthyism and everything else. I was reading something this morning on the Internet, and it talked about what a 
kind of insane person McCarthy was, Joseph McCarthy, because there, he, he, uh, he, he got people that weren't, you know, doing anything. Well, we know now after 50 years of FBI reports being released, uh, having access to the Russian archives when uh, the Soviet Union fell, that, oh, yeah, they were, the communists were in every organization in American government in the 40s and 50s, including the White House. Now, we know that from FBI records, but nobody will call anybody a communist today. You very seldom see anybody use that word. I'm telling you, Mike, once we start using that word and people realize, wait a minute, they're not really socialists, they're communists, things will change, but I don't see it happening. It's not happening fast enough for sure, and I'm praying that people do and that they wake up. Your book is called The Decline of America, and I love the quote. I think of it uh, because it's used and attributed to Benjamin Franklin when asked by a lady what uh, what it is, and they said, well, we have a republic if we can keep it. And your byline on, uh, you know, you don't even hear the word republic that much anymore. You'll hear about our democracy, but we actually have a a republic. And that's a big difference than a democracy. And I think, again, that's wasted on a lot of people. They don't know the difference in that. Uh, We've got to work to keep the republic of America. It's not going to happen by itself. And there are a lot of people right now, and you call this a cancer that is spreading. I think that it's a well-said, well-expressed metaphor uh, with, uh, without a, a real des- desire and a resolve to fight against this. This thing is going to spread even more and more, and it's already at dangerous levels. Well, again, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, how, how do you know these are communists? And again, I go back to the 45 goals that actually were written in a book uh, in in 1958. But if you look at those 45 goals, of which 90% of them have been accomplished, that's how you tell. Because if somebody is in a group and that group walks like a duck, swims like a duck, has feathers like a duck, quacks like a duck, the chances are it's not a buffalo. So even though some people may not realize that as a Democrat, they're really communists, All you have to do is say, well, you know, here's some of the things. I'll just give you a few if you've got a second. Uh, Do away with loyalty oaths, number 15. Uh, Capture one or both parties, uh, number number, uh, 17. Uh, Get control of schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism. Uh, Number 18, can get control of student newspapers. Infiltrate the press. Gain control of key positions of radio. Uh, present homosexuality as normal, you know, and the list goes on and on. Well, every one of those things the Democratic Party is for, and it's out of the communist, you know, way to do things. So if you're for it, you may not realize you're a communist, and that's where we got to wake people up. Oh, yes, you are. You may not know it because you don't know what you don't know, but if if they represent this stuff and are pushing it on us, you know, discredit American uh, founding fathers, present them as selfish aristocrats, you know, do away with the FBI. All of these things are in there, and it's exactly what's going on today. Now, this list, this 45 uh, list goals of uh, communism, where did you find that and where can that be obtained? Well, actually, you can just Google it, but it was actually, it's out of a book that, uh, uh, Scorson wrote called uh, The Naked Communist, but it was introduced by unanimous consent, which is sometimes easy. You can almost put anything into Congress. Uh, in 1963, uh, by actually our local congressman, Sid Herlong, who was a, a congressman out of Leesburg here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the problem is the knowledge is out there, but not if you're not looking for it. If you're looking at these little groups, like Antifa. Okay, that's just a small group, Black Lives Matter, small group. But they're not. They're they're tentacles on a big group that is trying to overthrow the government. One single goal. And unfortunately, my next book is uh, Volume 2, The Decline of America, Who Financed It? And oh, is that interesting. And I go back to the the, uh, Revolutionary War you know, and, and, and how, how the money plays and, and, uh, 
the Rothwells or Rothschilds. And it's just, uh, believe me, there is a connection between international bankers and the, and the super rich and what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the, the uh, in fact, bankers finance the, uh, the, the Russian revolution. But anyway, they want communism or these groups out in front so nobody looks at them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And they're kind of introducing all these new terms and different terms, but it still all points back to the same source and it's communist. And God help us, you know, I've often thought about uh, the dangers of apathy radio program that used to be on in the 70s. And it was a kind of a boring program that a lot of radio stations ran back in the 70s. And I used to babysit the Sunday uh, kind of programming in my first job in my uh, hometown of up in Indiana. And I uh, would listen to that. And it was basically full of the information of just the same kind of stuff that you're sharing from your book. And it was called The Dangers of Apathy and a Call to Not Be Apathetic. And, you know, sadly, it was probably apathy that caused that program to be taken off and removed. It was because at some point, someone who was in control of these uh, radio station uh, programmers on the mainstream media, they they took it away, and that voice was gone. Uh, and uh, thank God, not gone forever, because we have you, Wayne. And that's great. How, how can people get a hold of your book now? Well, the easiest way is just to go to Amazon. You can get it as an e-book. You can get it as a... Uh, audio book or as a uh, paperback. Uh, that's the easiest, simplest way. And if I can say one thing real quick, if you've got a minute, yes. one of the problems is kind of what you just mentioned. Today, people who are Christians, people who are pro-American, now in the last year have gotten afraid to do anything because it's just like the mayor of New York who basically said, if Green comes to town, she better watch what she says or we're going to get her. And and they know that the government can do anything now because we've lost control of it. And so uh, they're shutting people up and shutting people down already. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. If they could do what they've done to uh, Donald Trump, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how far that uh, swing goes. And God help us have mercy. Wayne White, thank you for being with me again on the program. We'll have to check in up from uh, just south of the Ocala area, not very far from our home base and not very far from our uh, station there in the Ocala area. Thanks for being with me and happy Easter to you, my friend. Thank you, Mike, and God bless you. All right, and we'll see you next time, friends, right here on Afternoons with Mike. 